How do you like it when someone tells you no? It's difficult to accept a no. And it's difficult when we have a need in our lives, a desire, a want, and we go before God and God says no, when he answers us no. The Apostle Paul has a thorn in his flesh. We don't know exactly what it is, but he's pleading with the Lord that God would take it away from him, and and God says no. In the midst of that, Paul's weakness is exposed. As much as we don't like being told no, we probably like weakness even less. It doesn't taste good, it doesn't feel good, it doesn't sound good. But in that condition and in that space of being weak, that's where God meets us. That's where he allows us to experience his grace in a new way. It's my prayer this morning that we would come to accept the adversity in our lives, that we would come to accept when God says no. Would you join me in verse 1 of chapter 12? It's doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Paul continues in this section of 2 Corinthians to try to regain the trust of the church of Corinth, for them to trust him as a pastor, as an apostle. The end of chapter 11, he laid out his sufferings that he had gone through, and now he comes to visions and revelations. He's saying, I could boast in all of the spiritual understanding and the visions that God has uh, given to me. And he refers specifically to a time in his life 14 years prior. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. It's clear that he's referring to himself. The context is his suffering. The context is those visions that the Lord had given to him. And he says, I'm not sure that I was in the body or out of the body. I'm not sure that God took me home to heaven and then brought me back to here on earth, or I experienced a vision, a dream of heaven. But either way, God gave him a a sneak peek, the YouTube trailer of heaven, and allowed him to, to see the glory of heaven. He describes it here as the third heaven. What is all that about? Well, the first is the atmosphere. Then the second is the stars, the galaxies, and the third is the throne room of God, what we talk about and consider to be heaven. How did this impact the Apostle Paul that he would have a vision of heaven? I'm sure it gave him great comfort and motivation as he did go through prison, as he was stoned, as he was beaten, all the hardships of life, as he endured this thorn in the flesh that he's going to describe, knowing that this is the worst that it's ever going to get, that he's going to forever be home with the Lord. You would think that he would go into this in great detail, but he doesn't. In verse 4, he says how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Paul says, I can't even begin to put this into words, what I saw in this vision of heaven. We know Paul was great with words, a great vocabulary, very articulate, but he says heaven was inexpressible. I couldn't even begin to describe the glories of heaven. I'm always a little bit skeptical when someone writes a book about their outer body experience of heaven and they have all of these words to describe heaven when the Apostle Paul says it was inexpressible. I couldn't even begin to describe how glorious heaven was. 
And Paul doesn't focus on this vision. What he does focus on is his adversity, his infirmity in verse five. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. Paul's really saying the reason you can trust me as a pastor and apostle, as a servant of the Lord, is all of the things that I have gone through, all the suffering that I have gone through in this life. Not the, the visions and the spiritual experiences. And it is going to be our, our suffering that qualifies us in, in serving the Lord. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. For I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Paul realizes there's a tendency for people to think too much of him. And he doesn't want that. He wants Christ to be glorified. He goes into this thorn in the flesh in verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. If you're taking notes, we're going to see four things that adversity does in our life. And the first thing is adversity produces humility. Produces humility. Paul says, lest I get puffed up with pride because of all of these revelations that the Lord had given to me. Paul realizes there's a tendency inside of him, in his flesh, his sinful nature, to start to think that he had done something to contribute to all that the Lord had showed him. That there potentially could be pride that would come into his life and this pain, this, this thorn in the flesh would keep him from falling to pride. Pride is really dangerous and really destructive, isn't it? We've seen pride wreak its havoc in our lives. We've seen the damage that pride does in other people's lives. Pride really does come before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride is this sense of, I don't need to depend upon God. I've got this in my own strategies and, and resources. Pride also causes us to look down upon others. We've seen so many great leaders in the scriptures and in a modern context that fall to pride. There's a, a sin that's on the surface, but what the real heart of that sin is, is pride. So God, sometimes he allows pain in our lives to protect us from pride, protect us from the destruction that pride can bring in our lives. We don't know what this thorn in the flesh is. There's a lot of speculation about it. There's some even that don't think that it was a physical affliction that Paul was going through. I tend to think that this was a physical difficulty that Paul was going through because he describes it as a thorn in his flesh. This, this is something in his, his physical body that he was dealing with that would cause him ongoing pain. Paul walked with that pain until he went home to be with the Lord. On this side of heaven, he was going to have this, this thorn, this physical adversity in his life. And some of you know this well. You have some physical pain, some physical disease that you may bear until you go home to be with the Lord. God may heal you or he may choose for you to be in a place of suffering with that. Things like MS and Parkinson's get in a bad car accident and the back pain and for some migraines that are continual and the doctors can't figure out autoimmune diseases. The list just goes on and on of these different kinds of thorns that 
are in your flesh that cause you difficulty. Paul's thorn was definitely physical, but not all thorns are physical. For some of you, it's a relational thorn. You may be sitting next to your relational thorn this morning, right? Man, this person just makes my life so difficult. If I would have known, I wouldn't have said yes in, in marriage, but I'm committed and I'm following the Lord. And so here I've got this relational difficulty. Or it's an immediate family member. And that family member makes your life difficult. It's a boss that you have in, in your life. And it's this thorn that God is using in your life to produce humility. For some, it's financial financial difficulty. No matter how hard you try, it just seems like you can't catch a break, and and that's your thorn in your life. We all have different types of thorns. For Paul, this specific thorn was a messenger from Satan. Satan wanted to knock Paul out. As we've been studying these three chapters, 10, 11, and 12, there's been several references to the attack of Satan. And, and Satan specifically attacks Paul with this thorn in the flesh. It reminds us of Job. Satan comes before God and says, have you considered Job, your servant Job? The only reason Job follows you is because you protect him. You've got a hedge around him. If you remove the hedge, he, he will curse you. God then gives permission to Satan to affect his family, to affect his health, to affect his possessions, but God sets a limit and says you can't take Job's life. So Satan was the source of that attack, but Satan had to get God's permission. Ultimately, God is in control. What did Satan fall to? What was Satan's downfall? It was pride. He wanted to be like God. Here, Satan's trying to destroy Paul, But actually, it's going to deliver Paul from the very thing that wiped Satan out. So God and his ability to be able to use what Satan means for evil, what others mean for evil that, that cause pain in our life, God is able to turn it for good. God is working his redemptive story in our lives. So see adversity in that context where God is working humility in our life. When we feel strong, when we're like, I've got this, I'm at my very best, I'm at the top of my game, that's a dangerous place to be. When we wake up and we go, man, I just don't feel quite right. I know that I don't have what it takes. God, would you help me? Would you strengthen me? That's the place that God wants us to be. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. We don't want God to be in opposition to us. We don't want God to be resisting us in that place of pride. And God in his infinite wisdom may actually be giving us something good that keeps us from pride and causes us to walk in humility. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Second thing affliction does is it produces prayer. There's nothing like a little bit of pain to waken up our prayer life. When we are under pain in our lives and we're going through difficulty in our lives, it causes us to to plead with the Lord. I'd invite you guys to come out this Wednesday night. Every fourth Wednesday of the month, we have a night of prayer and worship. There's a bit of pain in our country. There's a lot of brokenness in our country. Let's take time to pray together as, as a church family. What if the pain in our country caused the church to wake up in prayer? to wake up the the sleeping giant. 
So where's the source of pain in your life and plead with the Lord about it? Go before the Lord and say, God, would you take this thorn out of my life? We have a thorn bush in the front of our house. It's, it's a bush with thorns. And when you're out there walking in the grass with your bare feet and you get one of those thorns in your foot, it causes some desperation. It's not like a normal sliver. They're not huge thorns, but they really hurt. And if you don't get it out, every time you step, it just drives you nuts. And you even gotten so desperate where you're trying to suck out the thorn, right? Just, just get it out. The kids get one of those thorns in there. It's, it's got to get it out. So we have these thorns in our flesh, and it causes us to plead with God. Lord, would you heal me? Would you heal me from this disease? Would you heal me from this pain? God, would you do work in this relationship that's causing so much pain? Lord, would you help me with, with the finances? Would you bring in some, some resources? And we, we plead before the Lord. And Paul's right here. This is the appropriate response with pain in our lives, is to take it before God and to plead before him and to humble ourselves before him. And, and this is a good aspect of pain. This is one of the redemptive works of pain. In verse nine, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Third thing that adversity produces is dependency. Dependency upon God. Jesus says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Grace is unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. The idea of grace is giving a gift. We're saved by grace. God gave us the gift of salvation. But grace doesn't end in our lives at salvation, thankfully. God wants to give Paul specific grace for this thorn that he's gonna bear until he goes home to be with the Lord. And that's true for us. That's a promise for us as well if we will depend upon the grace of God. What is the thorn in your flesh? What's the thorn in my flesh? And God wants to give us his grace. And grace is something that we can't produce in and of ourselves Weakness causes us to realize, God, I can't get through this physical difficulty on my own. If this physical difficulty remains in my life, you're gonna have to meet me in a, in a greater way. If this relational challenge continues, God, you're gonna have to meet me in a, in a greater way. And that's what's so beautiful about being in this place of weakness and in this place of need. And we, and we fight it, but it's an opportunity to be taken deeper into God's grace to be dependent upon him. Lord, would you help me? Would you give me your grace? And the promise is his grace is sufficient. His, his grace is more than enough. We believe that for salvation. God, your grace is more than enough to save me. And God, your grace in this situation is, is more than enough. God has grace for the difficulty you're going through, for the grace, for the difficulty you'll go through in the future. But then this promise that his grace Strength is made perfect in our weakness. God's strength is on display in our weakness. When we've got it together in our own talents or our own resources, our own ideas and strategies, how is God's strength glorified in that? You think of Johnny Erickson Tata, if you're familiar with her story, has spent her, her life as a paraplegic, went through an accident as a young teenager, and has chosen to, to glorify God in the midst of that suffering. 
She was quoted in, in saying, there's mornings where I just wake up and I have no strength to smile on my own. So I asked Jesus if I can borrow his. She's, she's relied upon God's strength and you look at her life and you hear her teach and you go, wow, that's God's strength being made perfect in, in weakness. And as we suffer and we're, we're humbled and we're in trial and difficulty, it's an opportunity for, for God's strength to be on display. But at the core of verse nine is a no. God said no to Paul. Paul asked to be healed, pleaded with God three times, and the Lord says no. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And there will be times when God tells you no. I believe you should ask God for healing. We're to call for the elders of the church and have them anoint us with oil and, and see if the Lord will, will bring healing. But his response may be yes, and he'll heal you in this life, or it may be no. And there's some that teach that if we only had more faith, then God would heal. That in every situation, God heals. Now it's true that God will heal, it's just the timing. Sometimes the healing's when we go home to be with the Lord, amen? The healing's gonna come, it just may not be in this life. Do you have it in your understanding of who God is, your, your theology, that there will be times when he tells you no? Paul had prayed for people and saw God do a supernatural healing. There was one point where Paul is preaching and preaching and preaching and going late into the night and a young man falls asleep in the window. That, that's, a, that's a comfort to all of us pastors, right? How bad Paul must have felt. I should have ended 15 minutes earlier. The young man falls out of the window and he, and he dies. And Paul goes and prays for him and God raised him from the dead. Paul knows that God can do this, but God said, no, Paul doesn't have a lack of faith here. He's, he's a man of faith. I suggest to you that greater faith is to believe that God can heal and yes, God, I'm gonna trust you if you don't. My, my faith in you, in your goodness, is yes or no. This section of scripture is much more personal to me this January than last January. As, as many of you know, uh, 2020, I got my own set of bad news with my physical health. I didn't realize it this time last year, but I was really sick. Started to really take ahead over Easter. Easter, I was teaching, and you probably saw me drinking water like a, a madman. I lost weight, and I don't have a lot of weight to lose. My wife says, you need to get to the doctor. Thank God for her. I get to the doctor, spend a couple days in the hospital, got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Type 1 is different than type 2, and it's an autoimmune disease where my immune system has attacked my pancreas, and I no longer produce insulin. Come to find out, insulin's really important, you know. So now I give myself shots, insulin shots, whenever I eat, and that's my, my new life. There, there's more physical difficulty in, in my life uh, than there was prior. And I'm thankful. 
I'm thankful for insulin. If there wasn't insulin, I'd already be home uh, with, with the Lord. What a gift that I have access to, to insulin and I'm feeling a lot better. My blood sugars are, are managed. For me personally, I feel as I've prayed this over with the Lord, that the Lord said no to bringing me healing. There's been really well-intending people over this last year that said, you just need to believe God for healing. I'm like, man, I would love to be healed. And I believe that the Lord can heal me. But I have a peace about the fact that the Lord is allowing this to remain in my life. And it's caused me to go deeper into God's grace. It's caused me to go deeper to have to rely upon God's uh, strength. There's one more thing that we see from adversities in our text this morning. As we continue in verse 9, it says, Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There's a quote that says this, what power there is in accepted sorrow. Think about that for a moment. What power there is in accepted sorrow. The last thing that adversity teaches us is pleasure, oddly enough. You wouldn't think that pleasure and adversity would go together, but Paul says he takes pleasure in the very thing that caused him so much pain because it's allowed the power of Christ to rest upon him in a greater way. If he had to choose between, all right, no more thorn in the flesh or the power of Christ in my life in a greater way, he says, I'll take the power of Christ in my life in a greater way. He accepted it. He accepted that God said no. I don't think that Paul continued pleading with the Lord that God would heal him. He doesn't go to God a fourth time, a fifth time, 500 times, Lord, heal me, Lord, heal me, Lord, heal me. He accepted the no from God. And he began to take pleasure in it and know that this difficult space in his life was gonna be the space where the Lord meets him. What's interesting about an ongoing trial in our lives is it provides us daily opportunity, sometimes moment-to-moment opportunity, to rely upon the Lord. I think of Jacob in the Old Testament that wrestled with God and his hip got dislocated. And from that point forward, he walked through life with a limp. That limp was a reminder, I need to be dependent upon the Lord. Prior to that, he was a very prideful, self-made man, and he learned to be submitted to the Lord. In Hebrews 11, it tells us that Jacob leaned upon his staff and he worshiped. He leaned on that point of pain and he worshiped before the Lord. Have you accepted the sorrow in your life? Have you accepted when God says no? Maybe you look back and you go, I had a really difficult childhood. Why in the world would God allow me to suffer that way as a child? And remember, there was probably people's choices that brought that suffering into your life and God didn't originate that. He's not the source of that pain, but he would like to redeem it. And to say, okay, Lord, I don't understand why this happened, but I'm going to accept that sorrow in my life and realize that pain is a place for me to be able to meet with you. 
I look at car accidents and have some friends that have gone through horrific car accidents and they were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. Sitting at an intersection, red light, and someone comes up behind them at high speed, rams into them, and their neck's never the same. Their back's never the same. And debilitating, chronic type of pain, and doctors can't find an answer for it. And we wrestle with why. Why were they at that intersection? And have you ever had the experience where you forget something at home? Say, for instance, your mask. You gotta go back in the house to get it. Delayed maybe two minutes, and you're en route to the store. There's a huge car accident, and you can tell it's fresh, and you realize that two or three minutes spared you from the car accident. Well, why didn't God do that for my friend? You know, why didn't God redirect him? But God allowed him to be at that moment, at that time. And again, God, it's not the source of it. Someone made a poor choice to, to run into my friend in that way, but now this is his life. And the great faith to accept that sorrow, I gotta tell you, when days get difficult for me is when I don't accept the sorrow that God's allowed in my life, when I fight against it, when I fight that, that thorn. That leads to great discouragement, great despair and depression. When I start to examine, Lord, why would you allow me to have type one? A lot of other people, their, their health is just fine from my perspective. Think about the long run and get, get overwhelmed. But then the good days is when I'm in a place of thanksgiving. Lord, thanks for insulin. Thanks for allowing me to, to be here. I could have it so much worse. Having a heart of compassion for others. This has really helped me to feel a heart of compassion uh, towards others. When I see someone suffering with MS and Parkinson's or having to use a walker or a wheelchair or a child who's born with a disability and the parents very lovingly and willingly are caring for that child, I go, wow, well, that is intense suffering that they have to go through. But the heart of it is that acceptance. That heart of it is saying, Lord, I'm gonna accept the sorrow in my life and then even begin to rejoice in it. Paul says he takes pleasure in the infirmities. It's, it's amazing. He would gladly boast in his infirmities that the power of Christ could rest upon me and go, Lord, there's a sweetness because this ongoing pain is where I'm gonna meet with you. This ongoing pain is where I'm gonna know your grace, where I'm gonna know your strength is made perfect in my weakness to trust that the Lord in that place. Another thing that's happening in my life through this is I actually have found a greater degree of pleasure. I'm enjoying life more, oddly enough. Because I've come to realize how short life is. How easy it would have been for me to pass away back in, in April. I was close to that point of going into coma and I don't have ongoing organ failure. So when I spend time with Amber and the kids, I'm so thankful. I've always been thankful. It's always been good, but it's deeper and it's more rich and it's more meaningful. I got a birthday coming up in March. Don't tell anybody, but I'm going to be 43 and I'm going to party, you know, and be thankful. There's no more of this like, oh, I'm so old. I'm 43. It's like, I made it to 43 suckers. 
you know? I could have been dead at 42, but I made it to 43. I'm going to celebrate each one. For a lot of years, I've, I've taken for granted just having the physical strength to be here and, and pastor. And I'm so thankful to be here this morning. My health had always been a silver bullet. But now I go, wow, Lord, thanks for giving me the opportunity and giving me the strength to, to be here and pastor and be with God's people. It's, it's sacred space for me that I'm really thankful. And from my perspective, when I look at people that have a lot of joy in their life, they usually have a lot of pain too. And that pain has been their teacher. And they've allowed Christ to instruct them in the midst of their pain and began to take pleasure even in the weakness and take pleasure even in the adversity. So here's the challenge this morning for us. And I know for some, this is really fresh, there's difficulty in your life, is will you accept the sorrow that God's allowed in your life? To spend time with the Lord like the Apostle Paul, to, to plead with him, see what the Lord would do. Maybe God will bring deliverance. Oftentimes he does. But then also to accept, Lord, I trust you. I want your will. And if God says no, okay. Lord, I know you're gonna give me grace. I know you're gonna give me strength in the midst of weakness. Some of you right now are going through a divorce that you don't want. It's not your choosing, but it's what your spouse is choosing and you're pleading with the Lord and we're gonna pray with you and maybe God will save your marriage and turn the heart of your spouse around. But maybe he won't. Maybe your spouse will have a hard heart. There may be some intense sorrow to accept in your life that that's a thorn that the Lord is allowing you to bear and he's going to give you grace in, in the midst of it. Some of you went to the doctor this week and you got some really bad news. And you're wondering what your health future is going to be and come and receive prayer. Let's pray that God would bring healing. But also, let's ask for his will. Maybe the Lord's not going to bring healing. But his grace is going to be sufficient and his strength is going to be made perfect in weakness. Maybe you're wondering if you're going to lose your job and your company's not doing very well and wondering where financial provision's going to come from. Let's pray together. Maybe God will resurrect that company. But maybe he'll say no and that company's going to go under. And it is going to be a lean time and it is going to be a difficult time and trusting that his grace is sufficient, that his strength's gonna be made perfect in weakness. But stop fighting, stop striving, stop comparing, stop saying, well, why this and why that, and say, okay, Lord, you too suffered. Jesus, you suffered on the cross. Through suffering resulted in salvation. And I know that you're gonna use suffering in my life as well. Would you stand with me and let's pray together? Father, it's difficult for us when you say no. 
and it's difficult to be weak, and it's difficult to suffer. But we do trust you. We trust that the affliction is delivering us from pride and producing us in us a real genuine humility. And Lord, I do pray where you want to bring deliverance in our lives, we, we pray for that. Where you want to bring physical healing and restoration of relationships and provision of finances and Lord, you're not limited. And we want to be open to whatever you decide to do. But also we choose to trust you. We accept your will where you allow ongoing pain in our lives. And for those, Lord, that are experiencing pain this morning, would you give them your grace in a special way? Unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor, a closeness with you that they would never trade in. A real tangible strength in the midst of their weakness. We do accept the sorrow, the pain that you have allowed in our lives and even rejoice in it. Rejoice in what you're teaching us. So Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.